We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, RotoViz Radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to RotoViz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12 month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021. And you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello and welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. My name's Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And once again, joined by Sean Siegel, uh, who you can find on Twitter um, at FF underscore Contrarian. I know he's been plugging that Twitter account on the Stealing Bananas podcast, so I haven't mentioned it in a long time. But um, Sean, has, <laughs> he's telling us if we get 200,000 subscribers, uh, that's all we have to do. We get him back on there. So... <laughs> uh, Sean, how is uh, have you have you found the login details to your your Twitter account? I I it seems like there's probably a backdoor somewhere. <laughs> so I, I'm somewhere between zero and two hundred thousand followers away from that two hundred thousand follower mark. Uh, any day now, probably we'll we'll be right at that level, and I can start tweeting again. Uh, Stealing bananas has been absolutely fantastic. Ben Gretsch, as you all know, does a spectacular job it's been a lot of fun to discuss some different topics with him and, and we've had two amazing guests in evan and jj and so it's really been a last week three uh, we'll have a whole new topic for you and again hopefully some evergreen content hopefully some fun you ready to dominate in 2021 and Colin, one of the things that we talked about with evan silva on that first show were some offenses that perhaps are a little bit undervalued. He was looking at the Miami Dolphins, and I went in and looked at this offense, and for me, it really comes down to the quarterback. Is is that what you think everything hedges on for Miami this season? And are people too high, too low, or are they making the right risk-reward decision when it comes to Tua. 
we often talk about the second year jump for wide receivers and quarterbacks and you know Tua did show some interest in bits last year I think the overall handling last year from the Dolphins probably has influenced people in their drafts this year I, I have said on the show that I'm not the biggest fan overall and I'm not drafting them really that much this year but I do think it obviously matters dramatically how this offense does but I think just the way they handled him last year putting him in taking him out switching things up uh, on a on a pretty frequent basis probably wasn't the best thing to do I think they probably should have left him in there or else left him out uh, on a consistent basis but what he does is obviously going to influence how these receivers do how the tight ends do like me and you both are, are big Gesicki uh, fans and obviously we have talented wide receivers in this as well um, with the likes of Will Fuller coming over Devontae Parker I think is getting a bit overlooked I think there's a value there so I think this offense is one of those where we could be two weeks into the season and be like yeah this is going to be a, a train wreck or we could be like that this is the offense that people should have been drafting to have that upside and I think looking at value or offenses that are being undervalued and being able to target some of their players um, and get them on your rosters is a, a really smart move to you know to, to get those undervalued players so I think the Dolphins are being underpriced I think maybe the likes of Waddle might have been slightly overpriced based on the the draft position but I think if he comes in and hits the ground running again we aren't surprised um, but Tua is going to be the the part that's going to hold it all together uh, but I don't know if he's going to lead this team to overall success but I think in terms of like if they are behind and they have to push the ball downfield I think he's a talented enough enough thrower that he's going to lead to fantasy success so I guess if we're if we're just looking for fantasy I think there's enough there for him as a quarterback he probably is going to turn over the ball a little bit more than maybe we would like but um that's not going to affect his wide receivers if they have to keep throwing it to, to stay in these games one of the things that I like about Tua here is that you have a very wide range of potential outcomes. And one of the reasons that I say that is we have a variety of ways of looking at him. And some of those methods will point in very different directions, right? Neil Dutton wrote the Tua from our series uh, back in the late winter talking about it. Neil Dutton wrote the Tua rookie comps series article back at the beginning of the spring that series uses the similarity search from the road of his screener to pull up the most similar players to his rookie season and the names there are not very exciting right you get Dwayne Haskins Sam Darnold Marcus Mariota Mitchell Trubisky Jerry Goff when I ran this query in the screener myself I also had Teddy Bridgewater you think about those names and for the most part uh, trying to sort of buy low on them isn't necessarily going to work out now we did have a little bit of a solid everything fell apart. We've had some decent seasons from Jerry Goff, but that's not the group you really want to, uh, to fit into. On the other hand, he's very different from those guys as a prospect, right? Dave Cabin in the 2021 wrote of his rookie guy noted that peak adjusted yards per attempt is one of the key prospect indicators for quarterbacks and Tua, you know, one of the best ever in that explosive Alabama offense, 13.4 for a peak AYA. You compare that to some of these other guys, you get 10.5 for Dwayne Haskins, 10.3 for Teddy Bridgewater, 9.4 for Goff, 9.1 for Trubisky, 9.0 for Darnold. Goff, Trubisky, Darnold, especially very, very Diffkins, uh, someone who 
blew up at the NFL level, even after he had a lot of good options there to throw to in college. I think that one of the things that we do tend to look at with Tua is that, yeah, I mean, he was surrounded by NFL talent that was out of this world. And that's going to make you look better as a college quarterback when, I mean, you're not even playing against NFL players. You're playing against these college guys. And when you have four receivers who are legitimate first round picks then you know how our defense is going to stop you but you look at some of the other guys in these groups as well you compare him even to this current class that has some very good numbers but mac jones 12.8 zach wilson 12.4 trey lance 11.7 justin fields 11.2 trevor light and fields and lawrence those guys surrounded by very very good talent mac jones maybe didn't have all of those Alabama wide receivers together, but surrounded by very good talent uh, last year as they win the national championship going away. Wilson and Lance putting up excellent numbers against a little bit lower level competition. Tua's numbers still stand out, right? And so we want to think of him sort of as a prospect as well as what he did last season. And a couple of the notes that Evan emphasized was that number one, he's still recovering from this serious hip injury. And it's going to be difficult as a rookie regardless but when you're perhaps not 100% healthy, can't go through all of the things that other rookies maybe go through. You have the pandemic, all the dynamic in which it makes sense to give him a little bit of a pass on some of the things that happened. The other thing is that because of that injury, the Dolphins did not plan to play him, certainly didn't plan to play him in the first half of the season. And that offense is built around the talents of Orion Fitzpatrick. They're different guys, right? You need a different offense for the two of them. Again, not necessarily fair to compare Fitzpatrick to Tua in terms of just how they did that. You know, you look at Tua struggling to move the ball, Fitzpatrick comes right in, and all of a sudden they're going up and down the field. They're different guys. And uh, I've been suggesting, I think Fitzpatrick is an excellent pick in the 2021 season. So I don't even think that not quite looking like Ryan Fitzpatrick, certainly not looking like him as a rookie, is that big. Now what can we expect for 2021? Well, you go to the wrong read, number 56 from Blair Andrews, and you see this massive spike in terms of breakout rate for first round quarterbacks in year two. It's also the only year where you would expect average fantasy scoring to increase. Now, we know that a lot of that is the established players. You're going to have regression from the top numbers that you have injuries, all of that kind of thing. But you do see this jump in year two, which leads me to believe that there could be uh, not even necessarily some undervaluing because when I went through and I did my own rankings, I realized that after this analysis, I probably needed to move to up in my rankings a little bit. And I did that, but I think because you have scenarios in which you can move way up, you want to be only offense. And then Colin, you mentioned the wide receivers, right? So we look at last season and you can pull up the AYA app. You look there at Tua, the top guy for him, was Miles Gaskin in terms of 8.7 adjusted yards per attempt. The number two player, Mike Gesicki at 7.5. You get all the way down to Devontae Parker, you're below six, right? So that doesn't mean that Parker's necessarily bad. The defense is going to play him a little bit differently than the running backs and the tight ends. You're going to have plenty of flukiness in that efficiency number. But the main thing here is that we're not seeing dynamic performances from the wide receivers, right? You mentioned Waddle. They also bring in Will Fuller. How do you like these three guys together? And how would you be playing for Fuller, Waddle, and Parker? Evan was suggesting, you know, you can get uh, Parker very late for all of your teams. Uh, we've obviously been big Will Fuller fans. For me, it's kind of interesting because I don't think that Waddle is necessarily a value, but I do think that 
the wide receiver potential really falls off the table after him. And so if you want to make kind of the last big upside pick, you want to bet a little bit that he could do some of these things that Ayuk or T Higgins did last season, you know, we wouldn't expect him to do Justin Jefferson types of things. That just is a, a rare performance there, but he might be something, even though the, the down, he might also be an interesting player himself. Yeah, I, I think I like all three receivers, you know, even at their values. I mentioned at the start that maybe Waddle is going a little bit higher, but based on where he was drafted and based on the upside, I think if he was in a different offense, he would be a lot higher. So I think there's still, um, you know, value to be had at that point. I'm kind of picking these guys up as they come in drafts, depending on who's available. I've drafted all three of them. Um, so I, like, you know, I, I do like them all. I think, as we mentioned at the start, when an offense looks to be getting undervalued, um, that's the time to target them. There's drafts where, depending on how far Miles Gaskin has gone, I've taken him and then I've taken Ahmed in drafts. And um, likewise with Gasecki, like I've been kind of picking them up as we go. The only one I haven't really been drafting, I suppose, is Tua. Um, but I think there's value in them all. It's interesting to look at the um, ADP for these guys in terms of at the FFPC. And you can pretty much see from the exact draft date onwards, that's when... Um, Parker has taken a massive kind of dip in value and then obviously we see Waddle's value increase at that point but I, I like all three guys um, the interesting part as well is Fuller's obviously suspended to start the season um, and I, I think we're probably jumping to the conclusion very very quickly that Parker is definitely the third option on this uh, offense so that's why I probably like him the best as a target out of them based on his current price and the uh, influence he he will likely have on this offense. Do you think that he is the one that's maybe been underappreciated as at, at the current value? Uh, for me, with Devontae Parker, he was someone who had some superficially impressive metrics coming out of college, but a ton of red flags. I wrote some articles about that on the site that seemed to be really the way his career played out. But then he did have that late sort of bounce back, had the very nice season, but then he's kind of gone away again. And one of the things that I like to emphasize and, you know, discussing stealing bananas, Ben and I talked about this in week one. I like to emphasize talent with the players and these guys who are having very consistently dominant seasons, not pulling in a lot of players who have just had a couple of good stretches here and there. I think that the talent, question with them is very much still that may see a, seem a little bit odd when we contrast it to will fuller who's also had his issues but most of those issues really relate to staying healthy and the efficiency the explosiveness when he is out there is usually very impressive and then he's coming off of the season where he was a top 10 wide receiver in terms of points per game he's not being valued that way he's being valued more than 30 picks below where he finished last year in terms of points per game now I don't necessarily think that that's way off, right? We do have a case that we can make for a lot of those wide receivers in between. We know he's going to miss week one. If you're drafting in some formats and week 14 is important, the fact that the Dolphins have that buy, you know, that comes into play and you're going to be perhaps looking to avoid that reason. And so I understand why he's down. And I understand if people are thinking, okay, well, in addition to the suspension, you have the fact that he'll probably just get hurt again. And within this offense where maybe there's some more overlap with Waddle as the vertical guy, you know, maybe that's a little bit different than when he's playing as either the alpha as he did last year in Houston, or when he's playing off of just one guy in DeAndre Hopkins, there can be a big difference in terms of playing off one star where that guy drags the defense and commands targets, but then there aren't targets in 
a big way for the number three, the number four, the tight end, the running back, all of those peripheral players. And so kind of in the shadow of the wide receiver one, you can put up some big numbers. This offense could be really spread out. And so I think that you do want, as for me, the value of Will Fuller, where he's going, is probably still more compelling than the value for Devontae Parker. I would be surprised if Parker is playable this season. Now, it's not impossible. We've seen him do it before. We've seen him have some very good stretches, but he hasn't impressed at the NFL level as an awful player. I mean, I think the Dolphins themselves are saying that by thinking, okay, we've got to get one of the best wide receivers in free agency. We've got to get one of the best wide receivers in the draft. We didn't have the pieces in place. Now, part of that too is just smart, right? It's looking at it the same way the Bengals are looking at it. The Bengals did have a couple of elite receivers. They go out and get chase. You're looking to, you know, what's the future of the NFL. I think that's part of it. But for me, with all i don't know that you have to go to the least expensive one to get value we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So Sean, into the second half of the show as we get ready to wrap up the third show of the week. We do have some listener questions. It's always great to get the listener questions in and it, they're, they're coming in more frequent. It's, but it's almost as if when we finish recording, that's when they come in. So I always have ones for the, the following week, but um, always keep sending them over. And usually it's funny that half of them come through Twitter, half of them come through the, the road of his gmail account so you can send them either way so that is at overtime ireland or road of his radio at gmail.com do send them over uh, we like to get some of and the listener questions tend to be superb as well and maybe are stuff that we wouldn't necessarily bring up on the show that are more specific to what the, the listener is looking for so um, always feel free to send them our way the first question comes in from tim and he's on twitter at tim davis jr underscore um, so he sent in a question uh, to see if we were interested in answering it. So shoot your shot and uh, we'll see what we can do. Um, so when do receivers usually break out by if they are to break out in year one, especially uh, year two, year three, etc. He says uh, he knows we've published the rates of breakout chances per wide receiver, but when is it smart to cut bait based on target shares, etc. So 
Sean, I know you've done uh, work on the breakouts in the past. Um, what's your thoughts on this one? Yeah, every season I publish a series of articles looking at breakouts for uh, first-year players, second, third, fourth, and fifth-year players because backgrounds of those players, the profiles of the players are different, right? So obviously we tend to see the early drafted stars break out in year one or year two. We see a few of those guys hang on and break out in year three, but the year three gets... I think that most fantasy owners at this point know that that's not really what you're targeting. It's that year two that has the massive spike. But we're also seeing a quick acceleration of breakouts in year one. And so, uh, you know, we, we talk a lot about drafting rookie running backs. They'll help you late in the season. We saw again last year with the performance of Jefferson, Ayuk, Higgins, just how much those wide receivers can also help you at this point late in the season. In terms of how long time period the year five time period those tend to be the years where uh, dynasty owners have gone ahead and cut those players or sold them at a much uh, lower return if they haven't broken out to that point the players that we're looking at to break out later are the guys who are drafted outside the top 100 picks right so when you look at year five breakouts you tend to see players who were late round picks undrafted free agents and then occasionally guys who have shifted teams, especially guys maybe who were uh, 75 to 150 in terms of where they were picked, their team liked them, maybe never uh, got rid of them. But you're looking for guys who are sticking around NFL rosters and just guys who managed to stick despite not getting that early opportunity. That's telling you something about how the NFL probably initially evaluated them and then their work ethic, their ability to improve and fight through that. So we do see fifth year breakouts from some of these guys who had to really fight for it. I think that those are exciting stories simply because, you know, that's something we can all uh, identify with definitely root for players who didn't have everything going their way and had to beat the odds to stick with it. So, you know, year one, year two for the stars a little bit, then in year three, Year five for these guys who really had to fight for it. And you can go through, you can check out the series on the site, looking at even some of the more of those profiles. But I would be looking to move receivers after year two if they still have that dynasty value, but they haven't broken out yet. You do have some guys where you can tell that they're on the verge. Maybe you acquire them if someone else is trying to sell them a discount. But I think that year three range is the area where it's interesting because you're going to see some very different prices. I would look to buy low, sell high, maybe even the same guy you're buying in one league, selling in another, because for some of those players, they're going to be very controversial at that point in their careers. You're going to get different pricing that you can take advantage of. Yeah, very, very interesting answer, Sean, and a good question there from Tim. Next question is from Jason Lagatech and uh, messages, hey, Sean and Colm, love the show. He had a question regarding dynasty cut slash cut decisions slash waiver wire additions. Uh, is it time to cut the card and players like Benny Snell, Andy Isabella, I know Benjamin, uh, all favorites of ours uh, in the past in terms of adding some rookies from the waiver wire like Jamar Jefferson, Anthony Schwartz, Jacob Harness, and Brevin Jordan. Yeah, so, you know, he's asking, how do you decide when to cut a dynasty prospect that you like coming out of college but hasn't broken out yet? This, I think, takes us back a little bit to that previous question, even though we're kind of looking at a few more running backs in this second one, have so much that they have to do 
to break out. Now, Isabella, one of those players, he's a pretty easy cut. He was a higher pick. He hasn't hit the marks that we need. He's going into year three and yet is very much outside the Cardinals' plans. If you're in a deep league, you know, he's someone who might end up doing better with his second team, but it looks like he may just be straight out of the NFL. I think that Benny Snell and Eno Benjamin are interesting ones. Snell, because he's still not necessarily that far away from being the starter in an offense that is going to be dynamic. But I think that you might prefer an Anthony McFarland as sort of your contingent bet behind Harris at this point. He's someone that I have cut in some leagues for a Jermar Jefferson, where I think that we, these young guys, there is a wider range of outcomes still for the young players, even though players who are drafted late, we know that the odds are obviously not in their favor, but Jefferson, that incredible production profile. I want to see if he can become you know, the next Miles Gaskin, for example. So much of what he has done fits directly into the level of or the profile that Gaskin has. Now, he's got some guys who are in all likelihood a lot better than what Gaskin had ahead of him, but you don't know how much an injury to a DeAndre Swift could quickly change the dynamic there. Jamal Williams also on that team, but I think Jefferson really the sleeper in terms of of what could happen. We look at some of these other guys. Jacob Harris is somebody we've been writing about about game all of the way there and now some of the reporting from the rams is that he's looked very good and may have an opportunity sooner than people thought i think because of the positional value you know he's the guy that you're definitely wanting to look at there and then anthony schwartz our pick as someone who could be the next terry mclaurin now in a likelihood that's not going to happen but he has some characteristics that fit in the type of profile that you want to take a flyer on these guys who don't have any outstanding characteristics you know, they're solid in production, but underwhelming. If you couldn't produce at the collegiate level, then your chances of really producing at the NFL level are not great unless you have something like crazy speed or this amazing size athleticism profile. So short a risk on a little bit more. And so I do like stashing those guys. I think that we want to move guys like Snell and, you know, Benjamin. Benjamin, when you look at his situation, I mean, last year was pretty demoralizing because they didn't give him the chance to be someone like an Aaron Jones. We comped him to Aaron Jones in terms of their production profiles, in terms of their athletic profiles, very, very similar. It looks like even though the tested athleticism is almost identical, that Benjamin's actual on-field athleticism falls far short of what Aaron Jones will do. And yet at the same time, we talk all the time about second-year running backs and trying to buy low on them guys who are disappointments at rookies at that position make fantastic buy lows. The problem just dies. And so if you're going to buy low on a Zach Moss in his range, buying low on an Eno Benjamin essentially just means putting him on your watch list, right? So that's kind of how we have to balance some of those decisions. I think that you cut them, you move to some of the rookies who are going to move faster. If you get good news on a Schwartz, if you get good news on a Brevin Jordan, I think that some of those guys will move. Now, Jordan, you know, in that situation with the Texans and really losing a lot of shine during the draft process, maybe not as much, but you want to be owning the guys where a insignificant news blurb could suddenly make them someone that you could trade for something meaningful. And then if it's a future pick, you slide Benjamin right back in into that last spot on your roster. The other part is kind of looking as well at, you know, feeling a little bit too hesitant to churn the roster in Dynasty and missing out on some of those waiver wire additions. Um, have you processed, Sean, for, you know, when to move those guys out? Or if you have, say, ownership in, you know, five to ten leagues of a certain player, losing a percentage of them in terms of turning the roster? Or 
do you just make that on a player by player call? Yeah, I think, I mean, he mentions a couple of the names from the recent pass of, you know, going back and forth on James Robinson and deciding to pass out, uh, cutting the bait on Mark Andrews a little bit too early. Some of that is just going to happen, right? And so you're looking through here, James Robinson, somebody uh, like, you know, Benjamin, he was kind of the other guy where we're like, you, you have to have, have, when we're talking about the prices for people like Benjamin, like Robinson, to have even one of the two of them hit, that's, that's very encouraging based on what the NFL teams put into them. So again, we're, we're really trying to be evidence heavy in terms of deciding on our stashes. There are a lot of guys drafted at the running back position between rounds four and round seven. The guys who are not that athletic and weren't that productive, but the teams for some reason have decided to pick you know, th those guys are probably not worth a stash. Now, if they start to generate huge buzz, you always want to be proactive, move some of those guys on, try and trade some of your other guys off. We talk a lot about moving all of the value that your dynasty roster represents into the current year. So trading future picks. You can also make space by trading some of the present into the future, right? And so if you have some guys that you want to add and you're running out of spots, move one of your players who does have value. Now, maybe you're not going to move a clear-cut starter or someone who, say, it was a redraft league, would be a top four or five-round pick. You probably want to play that guy this season. But if you have some players who have some value, maybe it's contingent value or it's a very wide range of outcomes value where the name has enough cachet attached to it to where you can get something back, maybe you move that guy move some of the value into the future. You now have some future rookie picks instead of someone occupying the roster slot. And then you can use that roster slot to continue to stash people that you feel like a little bit of them this season, because if they hit, they can really change how my entire roster looks. Uh, James Robinson, for example, I mean, it's been sad what has happened to him this offseason, still going in a range and redraft that maybe is a little bit surprising, but, but he's that good. And if they hadn't added ETN on him, I mean, you'd be talking about a guy who, would be a top three round running back for a long time. And so if you have some evidence suggesting that the guy could be a star, you start to see the team move in that direction as well. They're making space for him. Maybe do the same thing with your dynasty roster, make a trade, create some space, trying to cut guys that you like and be proactive. Like we've been talking about in terms of adding some of these guys to the end, knowing that you just, you can't always get it right. Well, we're talking about it late and haven't produced yet at the NFL level. And it's very much a, a wait and see kind of thing. Some of those people you're going to have to keep on your watch list and it may be someone else in your league who adds them first. I would encourage people not to second guess themselves too much because you're going to occasionally be wrong. And that doesn't mean that your process itself has flaws in it. Yeah, no, that's very, very true. And again, thanks to the, the two guys for submitting those questions. You can send your questions in to rotavisradio at gmail.com or you can also do it via at over to Marland on Twitter. Just reading out a five-star review. We always love getting those reviews in. We do try and read them out from time to time. And one of the recent ones from the start of July is from M. Sherv. Uh, he says, it is the best kept secret, uh, the absolute best fantasy football podcast. The knowledge and different ways of thinking about fantasy football make it very unique. And I always end up as a contrarian in a very good way in my leagues because of these guys. So thanks again for dropping that five-star review. If you haven't already left a review for the show, we would much, much appreciate if it uh, 
was something you could do. It only takes a minute or two, and it, it helps us out a lot. So thanks for anyone who has left a review over the last couple of months. As always, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass by applying the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Or going to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for further information. Before we take the show out, Sean, I just want to give you another moment to mention the Stealing Bananas podcast if you want to give it a little plug for the listeners to check out this week. Yeah, it's been so much fun recording this with Ben Gretsch. He's done a fantastic job. We've had the good fortune of having uh, some really headlining guests and going over topics where we look at a topic, we look at a question throughout the three podcasts. The first one is a big picture look, trying to figure out uh, what we need to know, how fantasy drafters should be approaching their drafts as a result of this concept. Show two, we look at some of the specific players and how you can use that big picture knowledge to make specific decisions within your drafts to dominate your leagues in 2021, win that big money in the FFPC. And then the sh- third show uh, will alternate between having the topic from a different perspective and going into even more depth. Because the first two topics that we did, uh, looking at projectable volume versus player talent skill, and then the second one, the evolution of the NFL, what comes next, those are absolutely gigantic topics. And so we had a lot of fun discussing them. Uh, we think that uh, people probably will enjoy parts of that, but we could do another 10, 15 hours on both of those topics. We'll circle around to some other elements within that as we go forward and come down into some smaller pieces along the way. But it's been a lot of fun. It's sort of a different way of looking at fantasy football. And that's one of the things that I'm always trying to do myself is make sure I'm forcing myself to look at fantasy sports, fantasy perspectives, getting too narrow in terms of how I approach my different leagues. Uh, that's when the losses start to creep in. So it's been a blast to do this with Ben. Colin, appreciate everything that you have been doing with it. And also just wanted to give a quick note about uh, listeners, readers. We featured Michael Hitchcock on the show earlier in the week. Uh, if you're a listener and you feel like you have an article idea for the site that incorporates the tools from the site, some of the previous research from other guys built off of that, uh, let us know. Give us a chance to put your stuff out there. Not everybody who uh, makes a submission will be able to get on the site, but we've had some fantastic people uh, join the writing. If you're interested in that, let us know. You can reach out to the Rotoviz main Gmail account if your only point of connection is the radio version of that gmail uh, just make sure you note dave caben on there i know that he monitors both of those sites so let us know uh we have a bunch of debut authors this month and it's been really cool colin i'm looking forward to see what all these guys are going to do yeah it's exciting and every time somebody comes on um you know the the writing kind of ups another level so looking forward to seeing what they can do um, but that's going to take us to the end of this edition of the podcast. Thank you for anyone who's tuned into all three shows this week. If you haven't heard the other two, head back and have a listen. We did have Sam Wallace on on Thursday's episode. A lot of fun talking to him. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My name is Colin Kelly. My co-host is Sean Siegel, and you can check out all of Sean's great work up on rotaviz.com as well as on the Stealing Bananas podcast with Ben Gretsch. Until we're back next week with some more shows, and until then, have a good one. 
Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.